Well, many of you know that my son-in-law is from Hungary. Can you say Hungary with me? Hungary. I hope that doesn't make you hungry. <laughs> um, but anyway, he's from Hungary. <clears throat> and he, here's, a, here's a joke with someone from Hungary submitted. They submitted this joke to a competition which Reader's Digest was having. Are you ready? All right. Here it is from Hungary. The doctor says, have you taken my advice and slept with the window open? Patient says, yes, doctor, I certainly have. Doctor, so your asthma has disappeared completely? Patient says, no, but my watch, TV, iPod, and laptop have disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you didn't get that, it just means you need a little more Hungarian in you, you know? <clears throat> All right, okay. Turn, please, in your Bible to Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. My son-in-law will be at the 6.30 service tonight, and you can tell him that I told a Hungarian joke, Okay. Luke 15, our theme today is powerful, practical family lessons from a prodigal son. Repeat it with me. Powerful, practical family lessons from a prodigal son. Here's how the story goes right out of the word of God. Verse 11 of Luke 15 says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Verse 17, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. 
But the father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. Wow. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in that time you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have already stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Amen. Amen. My friends, reflect with me on some powerful, practical family lessons from this tremendous story from the Bible that we just read the first, the first profound lesson that we want to focus on is this. Stay patient and keep loving your child even if he or she disappoints you. Uh, this truth comes to my mind, well, throughout the whole story, but especially as I, as I begin to read the, the first few verses where it says, Jesus told them this story, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now traditionally, traditionally this has been called the story or the parable of the prodigal, the parable of the prodigal or the lost son. Uh, what, what, by the way, does prodigal mean? I don't know if you've ever looked up the word, but I thought I would look it up and listen to this. Prodigal, prodigal means spending money or resources freely and recklessly, wastefully extravagant. It further means a man or boy who has left his family in order to do something that the family disapproves of and has now returned home feeling sorry for what he has done. All right. In many ways, in many ways, the Bible story is really the story of the parable of the patient and loving father. It really is when you stop and think about it. The father kept loving his son despite all that that boy did. According to Jewish law of their day, the older son normally got two-thirds of the inheritance and the younger child got one-third. That's spoken of in the Bible in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 17. It was, it was by no means unusual for a father to distribute his estate 
to the children before he died, if, if he wished to retire from the actual management of his affairs, which didn't always happen, of course. However, however, there is a, a certain heartless, I would say, there's a heartless callousness in the request of the younger son when he says in verse 12, I want my share. Do you see that? I want my share of your estate now before you die. I mean, isn't that terrible? Isn't that terrible? And by the way, since the story implies that the son was unmarried, and because marriage in those days usually took place between 18 to 20 years of age, some Bible scholars suggest that this young man was probably around 17 years of age, maybe, maybe a little bit older. I mean, just think of this. How, how would you feel if your teenager said, I want, I want my share of your estate now before you die, Dad? To be honest with you, if my son had said that to me, I probably would have said, um, bye, Jeremy, Bye, bye, Jeremy. Just being honest with you, and most of you know how much I love my son and my daughter, both of them, of course. But here's the point. Here's the point. Whether your child, grandchild, nephew, or niece is, is six years old, eight, 10, 12, 16, 17, 18, 25, or, or whatever, there, there can be times when he or she will disappoint you. And sometimes they will disappoint you very badly. And I say to you today, stay patient, parent. Stay patient, grandmother, grandfather. Stay patient. You know, when I was thinking about what our brother Damien spoke of last week, I thought, you know what? That grandmother of yours, Damien, showed so much patience towards you, didn't she? When you were a rascal, she patiently loved you and persevered. And then you turned out to be an angel. Would you say amen, wife? <laughs> All right. Stay patient and keep loving your child. Do, do as the father in the Bible story, did. And to you beautiful parents whose babies we dedicated to, you, to the Lord this morning, just remember, remember, even when your child along the line, for whatever reasons, disappoints you, whether it's in a small way or possibly in a big way, stay patient and love him or her again and again and again and again. Amen? All right. All right. All right. Here's a second powerful practical lesson from the prodigal son. It is this. Why don't you read it with me from the big screen? Read it out loud, all right? Don't blame yourself when on occasion your child experiences unpleasant consequences for their actions. Now, verses 13 through 16 tell us that after the young man wasted all his money in wild living, he ran out of money. He ran out of money. 
There was a terrible famine in the land. In fact, the Bible says he began to starve. And so one of the unpleasant, obviously unpleasant consequences for his actions was starvation, hunger. A second consequence was humiliation. Verse 15 says, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him to feed his pigs. Now that farmer must have been a, a non-Jew, a non-Jew in order for him to be involved in raising pigs, an occupation which was forbidden to the Jews. To a Jew especially, the feeding of swine was a very repulsive occupation. Feeding pigs for them was as low as a Jew could go. That's just the way it was. Look at verse 16. Look at verse 16 of Luke 14. It says, uh, Luke 15, verse 16. It says, the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. No one gave him anything. You know, to wish, to want to share the pig's food was super humiliating, but what do you do when you're desperate, right? The probability is most of us here have never been that desperate. You might have been super hungry on some occasion, but very rarely have most of us ever been totally desperate for food. But not, not, only, not only did he experience starvation and humiliation, but he also experienced loneliness and abandonment. I say this because the latter part of verse 16 says, but no one, no one gave him anything. No one. Dr. Howard Marshall in his excellent commentary says, whatever friends the young man had, or whatever friends the young man had had in the days of his wealth had melted away. So-called friends have a way of disappearing when, when the money is gone, right? Starvation, humiliation, loneliness, and abandonment were some of this young man's unwanted consequences for his actions. Parents, parents, keep loving your child even when he or she disappoints you. However, however, don't blame, don't blame yourself when on occasion your son or daughter experiences unpleasant consequences for their actions. Now I say this, and I've said it before on occasion, I say this because over the years I have found too many parents beating themselves up emotionally for consequences their kids experienced which the parents had no control over. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you sure do, right? Parents, don't go around beating, blaming yourself for your teenagers or grown-up children's mistakes and actions when it was not your fault, one bit. Now, if some of it was your fault, admit to it. Do your part to correct it, you know? I mean, so, sometimes, sometimes we, all have to, we all have to say, you know what, such and such was, was, was actually my fault. Do you, do you sometimes have to say that to yourself? Right? Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I had a little incident uh, re recently 
I, uh, I went to a grocery store not far from here. I, uh, I rushed in, I parked, I was in a hurry just to get a few groceries to make sure we had enough for whatever meals anyway. So I rushed in, I was running around, and I, I, I parked quickly, and then when I rushed out, when I rushed out, I was making good time. I rushed out. Guess what? Guess what? You won't guess. <laughs> Man, I, I go out to get in my, in my vehicle. I couldn't even open the door because the guy next to me parked so close. I mean, literally, he parked so close. Even, even, if, even if I had lost 200 pounds, I still couldn't get in. You know what I mean? I tried to get in once. No, I couldn't. And I thought, okay, I'll go around and I'll climb over the console in the middle of the car. So I, I went around and I tried climbing over and that wasn't too, too, too good. And so I thought, okay, I'll go back. I, I went back. And, uh, and, you know, as I'm doing this, and I'm trying to be in a hurry, as I'm doing this, you know what? I, I thought, you know, this guy who parks so close to me, he deserves to have someone let the air out of his tires, you know? I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. <laughs> I, I rarely have bad thoughts. I rarely have bad thoughts, but I have to be honest with you, George. That thought went through my mind. It's not, it's not what, it wasn't right, George. It wasn't right. I confessed it before God, all right? Uh, but anyway, I tried to get in again, and I, I, I breathed in as much, tried to get as skinny as possible, and I still couldn't get in, and so finally I thought, I'm going to have to wait half an hour, an hour, however long these folks are going to be shopping before I can leave. I thought, I don't, I don't have that time. So then I went to the other side, went to the other side, and then, you know, put my, you know, um, um, to, to, get, to get in my seat, to get in my seat. But you know what? Before, before I finally did that, you, you know what happened? I, um, although in my mind I was not thinking nice thoughts about the person who parked so close to me, then I looked at where my car was parked, and I realized it wasn't the person next to me <laughs> who was at fault. When I parked, uh, are you giving me a hand for my honesty? <laughs> okay. When I looked at my car, I thought, man, it wasn't the guy to the left of me who's at fault. I parked too far to the left. He didn't have a choice. I parked too far to the left. And you know how some of these parking spots are? Unless you park right in the middle, you can't get out of your car these days, right? Because they're too narrow. I got a few hospitals I go to like that. You know, someone is to the left or the right a little bit. I can't get out. It's a big motivation to lose more weight. <laughs> anyway, anyway, all I'm saying is sometimes... We, I, I had to admit I was at fault, okay? Sometimes we adults have to admit that we're at fault and, and don't be hesitant to, to do so. And boy, was I glad I didn't let the air out of his tires. Uh, uh, by the way, I would never do that. I, I have never done that. And neither should you ever do that either, okay? Oh, someone's gonna write me some bad notes now. Or some radio listener is going to say, Pastor Nick, I heard those terrible things that you said. Okay, do your best in raising your child, but there comes a time when you have to let go and let them experience or let them exercise their free will. All right? Let me take you to a third powerful, practical 
family lesson, and it is this, it is this. Pray regularly that your son, daughter, or grandchild will come to their senses if ever they get off track. Verse 17 says, verse 17 says, when he finally came to his senses, that is that the son, when he finally came to his senses, you know, I believe, I believe his father and mother were at home praying that he would come to his senses. George, I, I, think, I think I've heard you say across the years how you knew that your, your mother and father were at home praying that you would come to your senses one day. Amen? And uh, this, this, this truth of coming to our senses could apply in a lot of different ways. Young people, young people, some of you study very hard. Some of you may not know it, but we've, we've got some students, high school and university students in this church, who score at the top of the class, who score at the top of their schools, okay? Some of, some of you students work very hard, but some of you, some of you may need to come to your senses and realize that you will need to study hard to make it through high school, to make it through college or university this coming fall. And some of you need, to, need a little kick in the pants and, and need to get with it in order for you to be successful in your academic studies. Or come to your senses, come to your senses and don't hang out with the wrong crowd. Don't hang out with the wrong crowd. Last week when Damien gave his testimony, if you noticed, if you noticed, there were several times in his life when even though he had incredible potential, he got off on a wrong track because he hung out with the wrong crowd. But then he was wise enough to get back on track. All right? Others of you need to come to your senses and stop. Come to your senses and, and stop, stop thinking about smoking cigarettes, smoking marijuana. Come, come to your senses and, and don't drink alcohol. Don't dare, don't dare touch non-prescription drugs. Come to your senses and remain sexually pure until marriage. Come to your senses and, and stop reading or watching pornographic material. Come to your senses and drive safely whenever you are behind the wheel of a car. Now, adults, adults, it's not just children and youth that sometimes need to come to their senses about different matters. We adults, we adults need to also wake up and come to our senses as well about different issues. Many of you know that my brother Jim has been in the hospital for the past 17 days, many of which were spent in intensive care. He's been in the hospital due to blocked arteries. On Monday of this past week, my brother had major open heart surgery. On Thursday, while he was still in the intensive care unit, my brother said to me, he said, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know this operation would be so difficult, so difficult. 
And as I, as I have thought about my brother's struggles, I've asked myself, are there, are there any diet or lifestyle changes that I need to make or you need to make to help prevent blocked arteries? What do you and I need to come to our senses about? Whether you're in your 20s or 30s, 40s, 50s, or beyond. And by the way, by the way, I was, I was so pleased, I was so pleased to hear this week that President Trump came to his senses and, and changed the crazy American policy of separating the children from their parents when authorities caught people crossing the American border illegally. Amen? Amen? When I, when I first, when I first heard I don't know, a few weeks ago that the American policy was to separate, from their ch to separate children from their parents, I thought, I honestly thought, I thought, uh, why in the world would you do something so dumb and so terrible? I mean, it's it just as an example of how sometimes we human beings can be so thoughtless and so ridiculous and make such terrible decisions, Right? Let's pray, let's pray that all the children will be reunited with their parents and that somehow that whole, that whole thing won't get further messed up. You know, if, if you're involved in decision making and whatever, whether it's a church or in the community or in government, listen, work hard, do your best not to allow stupid decisions like separating children from their parents. Don't let stuff like that happen. Amen. Amen. All right, let me take you to the fourth powerful practical family lesson from the prodigal son, and it is this. Oh, boy, this, this is so, so precious, so precious. Read it from the big screen with me, would you? Remember that God, our Heavenly Father, lovingly waits for each of us to receive his forgiveness and to have a relationship with him. Now, my friends, in one sense, our Bible story is about a father and a son. But in, an, in another sense, there's a lot more to it on a spiritual level. You see, the father in the story represents God, our Heavenly Father. The son in the story represents you and you and you up in the balcony. Radio listeners, the son represents you and me. The son rebelled against his father and sinned. You and I have also rebelled against our Heavenly Father in the Bible, Romans 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. The son in the Bible story came to his senses and made a decision to go to his father and to say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. My friends, you and I have to also approach God 
And you and I must also say, Heavenly Father, forgive me for my sins. Forgive me, Lord. I am unworthy, but I want to have a relationship with you, O God. And the reason each one of us can be forgiven of our sins is because Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross to pay the price for your sins and mine. And in the Bible story, when the son chose to return to the father, look, look at what happened. Look at what happened in verse, verse 22. Verse 22. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and, and sandals for his feet. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. The robe stands for honor. You got it? Get a robe. We want to honor this boy who's come back. Get a robe. And the ring, the ring placed on his finger stands for authority. He's being given authority back in the family. If a man, if a man gave to another his signet ring, it, it was the same as giving him the, in a sense, the power of attorney. And then it says, the sandals, give him the sandals. The sandals or shoes for his feet were a sign that he was being welcomed home as a son S-O-N, as a son, and not as a slave, not as a, a worker, not as a laborer. You see, children of the family wore shoes, and the slaves in that day did not. Musicians, would you come, please? My friends, when you and I choose, when we choose to accept our Heavenly Father's forgiveness through faith in Jesus, we receive, we receive honor, authority, and adoption into the family of God. We become the child of our Heavenly Father. And I want, you, I want you to notice, I want you to notice how eagerly our Heavenly Father waits for you and me to restore our relationship with him. Notice how eagerly he waits. Notice, notice it in verse 20. Look, look at verse 20. Look at verse 20. It says, so he, the boy, he returned home to his father. And while he was still, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. His father saw him coming, filled, filled with love, filled with love and compassion. He ran, whoa, whoa, he ran, 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 he ran. He ran to his son. I can run faster than that, by the way. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. He ran, embraced him, and kissed him. And that, and that is how our Heavenly Father waits 
for you and me to welcome us back into his family. Let's pray. Dear Lord, oh Lord, as I read these words of verse 20, while the boy was still a long way off, his father saw him filled with love and compassion he read. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Thank you, Lord, for this kind of a welcome that you extend to all of us. Thank you, Lord, for wanting to welcome us in this way when we make this choice, when we come to our senses and say, I, I will arise and I will go to my Father and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Lord, there are some dear folks in this sanctuary today that need to run to you. And as they run to you in their own way, you open up your arms and say, welcome to my family. You're a part of my family. I love you and I receive you into my family. Lord, there are some, there's some folks listening by radio and on the internet who want to experience your warm embrace your welcoming words, and your love. Receive each one, Lord, who comes to you in sincere faith and says, Lord, I am yours. I'm yours. Heavenly Father, I give you my heart. I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.